This is Everything Film with Film Robot on BNN Bloomberg Radio in Vancouver. Now back to your hosts, Joe Leary and Patrick Shelton. Everything Film is supported by Vancouver Young Actors School, their elite training program for young professional actors in Canada. Their team of pros offer the most advanced training for young actors. You can online check them out at VancouverYoungActorsSchool.com or at VYActorsSchool on Instagram. Joe Leary and Patrick Shelton with Season 2, Episode... I always forget this. Six! Episode 6 of Everything Film from the <laughs> Shark Club in downtown Vancouver. Our guest is Patrick Stark. Now, I'm going to do a little personal lead-in here because Patrick and I have a bit of history that I'd kind of forgotten about, right. and then it kind of resurfaced. And I don't know if you recall, Patrick, but I think you texted me or reached out to me a few years ago and went, hey, Joe, it's Patrick Stark. Remember that film uh, you were in? Well, it's, I've got the trailer for it. And my first thought is, Patrick Stark, Patrick Stark. Okay, yeah, <laughs> film. What film am I in? But you were doing this documentary chronicling a, a quest to perform in public, which ultimately led you bigger and better, and, and, and your go eventual goal was to get on stage with you 2 Correct. And yes. I remember thinking, good luck, man. That's a pretty <laughs> lofty goal because you 2 were the biggest band in the world at this point. Right. What prompted you to even embark on that journey? Uh, I would say, bottom line, aging. <laughs> okay. So um, I was turning 40. I was just actually just past 40. Um, about to have my second child, um, and I thought I had lived a life that was very phobic, and uh, you know I'd been working my way up through the film industry, but I didn't feel like I was doing what I wanted to do. And uh, anyway, the fears—I just didn't want my fears to be passed along to my kids, and uh, so I wanted to confront the fear. And um, and you went through top shelf through exposure therapy, yeah. so just dipping the toe in the water. I didn't know how I was going to do it, and I thought, well, it would be fun to... I sort of recognized all the uh, concert posters around the city. You know, I had gone from being an assistant director to, you know, putting up concert posters. <laughs> it's like my, my career life was crashing, but I noticed all the lead singers on the posters, you know, uh, arrogant and, you know, that ego was there. And I thought, how do they have the guts to get up and do that day after day? I love singing, but I've never sung in front of anyone in, my, in, front of anyone in my whole life. And I thought, maybe that's the fear I should approach. And then I started seeing the YouTube posters, and I don't know how the thoughts <laughs> sort of, you know, amalgamated together to, to have me uh, come up with this idea to sing with them, but that's where it started. So I set up a stage outside BC Play Stadium and, and uh, hired session musicians, and I sang four U2 songs at U2 while they were rehearsing. And... Uh, and just try to get the attention. So, I mean, you can't go directly to YouTube's management and say, I'd like to do this, because they'd be like, yeah, thanks, bye. So how can I get their attention? So that's that was the gist of it. And and we stayed in touch, because I remember there was a night they were just down the street here at yes. Shambar. Right, so and that I think was you, flash forward you, six years. You texted me going, oh, my God, they're in the corner, in, yes. a, in a booth in the corner, and you actually yes. approached the band. Yes. And were it not for very unfortunate timing, you probably would have had that dream realized. Yeah, well, that was... Through that six years, I interviewed so many people and I'd done so many things. Like, you know, I sang on the street with street musicians and I interviewed a number of uh, rock stars and authors and uh, inspirational people and got to that point where they were back in town and uh, they happened to be there. And I walked up to their table and I pitched them. I had that pitch in my head, you know, for six years. I'm, uh, I'm exploring, you know, trying to get rid of this fear. Uh, I've had a lifelong fear. 
and um, I'm doing it through exposure therapy and here are the people I've interviewed so I name dropped Steve Lillywhite their producer Daniel Lanois their other producer and uh, said I imagine myself standing on a stage uh, in front of tens of thousands of people and sing one song with the biggest band in the world and Bono said Sure. What are you doing Friday? <laughs> <laughs> Took six, six years to get there, but it was a germ of an idea six years before, and and it was becoming a reality. So I was supposed to sing with the band, but, um, you know, like you mentioned, Larry Mullen's father passed away, B.B. King passed away, and then I got bumped from the show officially. But anyway, uh, you were my first uh, interview. Yeah, and, and it's called One Life, No Regrets. And, and just before we go into other areas of Patrick Stark's life, What's the ETA on, on this doc being, uh, being released? Uh, it'll probably be released in, and this is the 13th year since I started it. It's taken that long to get those interviews to be able to figure out what this all means and how I was to tell the story. But it will also be a book, so I've decided to write the book version of it first. And so I'm working with a publisher, page two, and that will be released in, 23, in uh, 2023. And then shortly after that, I hope I'll be able to finish well, it, the movie. Well, it, it sounds like it's also like a tough ending for you. Like you wanted the right ending. Yes. That's but the it's storybook a real Disney ending, but yes. you didn't get it. It's a real ending. That's so were you difference. waiting for that kind of? Were you kind of like stretching it out, kind of waiting mm. for the... There was a bit of that, yes. Yeah, there yeah, was a bit yeah. of that. So after I got bumped from the show here, I actually went down to L.A. Right. For their show. They were doing five shows in L.A. Actually, this is where we <laughs> talked again because... I was in L.A. I brought my family down there. We're staying in a hotel. I thought, well, they already said yes in Vancouver. Sure, there's five shows happening here. Why not? And uh, I get down there, and we're on, you know, Santa Monica Pier. And then <laughs> I w- waited for that. <laughs> Joe texted me and said, did you hear the news? The tour manager died in his hotel room that night. So I thought, okay, yeah. kids, let's go home. <laughs> oh my God. You, mu- you must have been saying to yourself, how long? How long can this go on? Oh, that how sounds long? like the song. <laughs> That's how long? <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to sing it for you. But yeah, you know. I thought that was a pretty good reference. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, they came back in 2017 for the Joshua uh, Tree Tour, and, I, and there was a lot of press around that because people wanted to see if it was going to actually happen. And uh, a block away from here, I ran into Guy Osiri, who's their new manager. And uh, I was surprised I recognized him, but uh, he was a lovely guy. And he said, do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? I said, oh, just give me the bad news. <laughs> he said, uh, no one's getting up on stage with you two on this tour. Mm. Unless you're probably really famous. And, <laughs> and uh, the good news is, keep in touch and we'll see what happens. Well, so. <laughs> through, through the entire ordeal, and I will refer to it as an ordeal, it's because it, an it ordeal. became more than a passion project for you. Yes. But, um, you know, they probably presumed you're either crazy or just <laughs> extremely dedicated. And I think I told I like you to before that <laughs> either way that this doc ends, whether it ends with you on stage or not you on stage, there's no wrong or right ending there. There's an ending coming, obviously. Yes. But just I know the journey you went through. And, uh, you know, you talk about reaching for your, you know, lofty expectations. And I remember thinking at the time, okay, let's, let's see where this is going to go. Yes. But you were very engaging. And uh, I'm still curious to see where <laughs> this is going to go. So God willing, fingers crossed, we'll have, well, you two, have a you conclusion two, soon. You yes. two is a, is a big touring band like, yes the I biggest think, i think i think they are the biggest i think they are how many times they've successful. been in, i think they've been here like five times i think i've seen them three times like they've been here a lot vancouver yeah they're among the like, biggest 80s in the world yeah. so they're, yeah. they're probably on tour right now they're like no they're, not, uh, they're they don't have touring. anything they're releasing they're always no. yeah they're, they're not doing an official tour nothing? right now no no yeah 
But, um, you know, well, we'll hear they'll release another album, and, you know, there's a tour right behind it. I don't Always, you know yeah. how many tours there will be. But look so you've Rolling kind of Stones. been a big fan, though, as well. Oh, right? yeah, like no, I started your favorite band. I started listening to them in the early 80s, you know, when I, I guess, was in, yeah. in high school, and uh, they really weren't. As you know, when I started listening to them, they weren't this big, massive band. They were a small band that was that was making their way. This is you know, this is during war and and uh, unforgettable fires, so they hadn't right. yet hit the Joshua Tree. But I liked, you know, I was I was watching them on MTV and watching Sunday Bloody Sunday. I thought, who are these guys? I couldn't just musically. I didn't f- feel like I could just jump on and and listen to all the bands that everyone else was listening to because they liked it. Nothing appealed to me, and it's, and it's too bad you didn't. You too. too bad you didn't uh, know them earlier, because you could have jumped on stage at the Commodore <laughs> yeah, when, they, uh, right. when they played there. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot more to Patrick Stark than one life, no regrets. Right. And I, you've been on sets a long time. Like yes. you've been in the in uh, I guess a set rat. I know you've done assistant directing. You've done a yes. lot of stuff, and it's kind of a homecoming whenever you think about the film and television community in Vancouver, because. Yes. I mean, it, there's a really good scene here, and you've been yeah. a vital part of it. Uh, was it X-Files where you really kind of got your first experience in directing? Uh, well, I was an assistant director on X-Files, so I was just a tra- I was their trainee AD in the fifth season, so their last season here. And I would say X-Files was the one show where, because it was a TV show that was shooting like a feature film, and it had a, a huge budget, and every episode was a big deal, and uh, it was a tough show for me to work on, um, being on set for those crazy hours and all that time in every kind of weather and, and circumstance. But the people that worked on it were unbelievable. These are the best of the best working on that show. And I'm learning from all of these people. I didn't go to film school. This was my film school. And, um, and it was, uh, you know, it was exa- I had to recover from <laughs> working on so it was for that a few the, months. the point where, because the show moved production down to LA yes, yes after the famous David Duchovny too much rain in Vancouver which I, uh, as, a Vancou- as a overblown as a Vancouverite <laughs> what's my biggest complaint about Vancouver it rains too much yeah of course get over yourself yeah. Vancouver yeah. we rain a lot here yeah but um, so at this point the show is a well-established show yeah. was there any thought that you might go or was it uh, well I see the funny thing happened was I I got along well with the cast and uh you know, I love those guys. They were great, and the crew was fantastic. I don't, I don't think many crew actually went down. But the one thing uh, that David and I did together was play basketball. There was a hoop on the on the studio set, and it was just sitting there idle. No one was shooting hoops. I found a ball from props, and so my way of unwinding was just to go throw free throws and just shoot around. And David comes bang out of his trailer. Oh, someone else can play basketball. And so he and I, mm. every single day, el- were, would play elbows up, you know, serious one-on-one basketball. And uh, so when the show was finishing, he said, do you think you could come down to LA? <laughs> I thought that might be a good reason to go down, but uh, I think it might also be a difficult way to get down there. So bonding with David Cody, that's, uh, that's not oh, a He's a good thing. guy. So, yeah. so you are, um, I guess we can f- refer to you as veteran now in terms of the amount of um, years that you've logged. 32. 32. 32. You don't look that old. I'm 54. 54. <laughs> You're wearing it well. And there's no hair and makeup on this show either, folks. That's I had to go get my own done. So <laughs> <laughs> Stop by the Mac booth. So what's, uh, <laughs> what, what's going on in your life these days? You're still working to complete One yes. Life, No Regrets. Yes. Um, what, what else are you? You're, you're in doing some agency work as well I have a thing? creative agency okay. so um, when I after ADing for so long and when kids started coming along I just knew I couldn't live on a film set anymore and and do those hours and I thought what can I do and I 
I ran an agency for two years, which was not, which wasn't easy running my own business. I was not a business guy and didn't, you know, that kind of crashed and burned. And then I was hired as a, uh, an in-house producer for a media company that specialized in public company, you know, shooting almost like very corporate kind of cheesy <laughs> CEO videos. Do you do and jingles uh, for radio shows? When he no, says? I no? don't, but I, but I fell in love with animation. So yeah. in that studio, they had motion graphics designers and I fell in love with that. And I started building that into the commercial commercials I was building for these guys. And, uh, you know, eventually I wasn't getting paid what I wanted to get paid. So I started my own business and this is where all these other jobs came in. So, uh, I didn't want to go back to the film business doing what I was doing. So I picked up every job under the sun. I hoped nobody would see me do them, but that was everything from putting up concert posters to, uh, gardening to, you know, swamping furniture. So it was like, that's when I felt like it was sort of mm. sliding backwards. But I did that so I could build up my creative agency. And so that's what I do now. And I've long before COVID, I've been working from home. So I've, I've always thought of how can I work remotely? And because I'm OCD, I always have wipes handy and I'm always <laughs> <laughs> washing my hands. So well, <laughs> I've been I know preparing for it for years. <laughs> and and you, uh, you have kids, any of them following in daddy's footsteps? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've had my son in a commercial. Um, and uh, I put him in a film. I co-directed a film with an Academy Award winner uh, in 2017, Allie Light. And uh, our f- it was a short film. She's a documentary filmmaker. We made this other movie together. It was her, her writing. I brought her up here from San Francisco. And, well, she came up here with her on her own time. And uh, she put up the budget. And we shot that here. It was Oscar qualified. And it... And it uh, Played in festivals around the world at co-screen with Eleanor Coppola's short film in San Francisco. And so some good things have happened. Mm-hmm. Actually stepping away from the Hollywood set, some good things have happened to me on my own. And um, I think all my peers in the film industry now are directing episodic television and doing exciting things. So I'm excited for them. That's just, a, I just took a different road, you know. Well, when we're in season, I guess season four, maybe season five. One Life No Regrets should be we'll out. have a book here. <laughs> we'll have a book. You will be in the book. I, so I'm still in the film. You're as in the, it, as you're it in the sits book? here in, in May of April of 2022, I'm still you're, in the film. You'll be in the Yeah, okay. it was a right. great interview. Well, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> you know what's going to happen? It's going to come out. The book's going to come out. And then Bono's going to come and sit down next to you and go, how's it going? Or yeah. they could sue me for a while. <laughs> 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 no, there's, hey, there's no wrong conclusion there's to no this wrong, thing. Well, I know, right? The bottom line is that this is, it's really my story. And yeah. it's about dealing with anxiety and phobias. And they are just... If you've ever watched Waiting for Guffman, it could be yeah. very much like yep. Waiting for Guffman, Waiting for Godot. Yeah. You know, Guffman never shows up. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Bono never shows a, up. You know, that could be a real cult following type film. Oh, I'm going to promote the hell like, out I of think, it. I think it's something that could go that way. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's resonated with a lot of people. People with anxiety. Yeah. People yeah. with phobias. People have big dreams. People who love rock and roll and all kinds of things it's all it's all in this story oh, I'm looking forward and it's to just it. my own great i'm i the I, the thing is that i have to tell myself to be when you tell your story it's not about telling the story so you make yourself look good you just have to be real in all the the terrible things and ugly mm-hmm. things that happen to you along the way you just got to be real and 
and tell your truth. And Do you have a little clip or anything available that you have anything oh yeah, I've got like some that? Clips. Yeah, yeah for can sure. you send a couple clips that we can use and yes. we can put it we can actually put it for on sure. the show? There's some for stuff sure. that we use that aren't in the movie, but they're sort of great, still great. Yeah, clips. If you could, that and would be great. Yeah, we send will. it to our video team for sure. Yes. Patrick Stark is his name. One Life No Regrets is the project. Fingers crossed we will see it um, <laughs> in the next couple of years. <laughs> Thanks so. for joining us, man. Yeah, thank you. It's good to see you. Everything film is supported by Lisa Bursato, Remax Platinum Club winner. If you're in the market, experience is key. Lisa Bursato and All Point Realty Group on Austin Avenue in Coquitlam have the team to meet all your residential needs. Visit LisaBorsato.com.